You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Soprano Nadia Michael is backstage at Lyric. Well, I think I'm very German in that way. In, in terms of when I do something, I really like to go till the bottom. I really like to, to understand everything and like to, to touch every emotion you can, you can uh, bring out of this character. I really like to understand the character and I like to serve the personality I have to bring on stage. Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. German soprano Nadia Michael is making her official Lyric debut, starring in the new production of Verdi's Macbeth that's opening Lyric Opera's 2010-11 season. Nadia's Lady Macbeth recently triumphed in another new production at the Bavarian State Opera in Munich. She's one of today's boldest and most formidable singing actresses, renowned in repertoire ranging from Cherubini's Medea to Strauss's Zalome. In fact, she appears on DVDs of Zalome from both Covent Garden and La Scala. I had the pleasure of speaking with Nadia about Lady Macbeth, the new production at Lyric, her pleasure in creating detailed characterizations on stage, and the extraordinary theatrical recital of her own devising that she recently performed in Vienna. Before we get to the interview, here's the story of Macbeth. In Scotland, Macbeth, Thane of Glamis, is astonished when witches predict that he's fated to become first Thane of Cawdor and then King of Scotland. At the same time, they predict that none of woman born shall harm Macbeth. Macbeth's friend, Banquo, is greeted by the witches as the founder of a future line of kings. Shortly thereafter, a messenger from the king informs Macbeth that he has been named Thane of Cawdor. He informs his wife about what's happened, and she exhorts him to fulfill the prophecy by murdering Duncan, the king, who's a guest at Macbeth's castle. Macbeth does just that, and ambition then leads him to have Banquo murdered, but Banquo's son escapes. Macbeth returns to the witches, who warn him to beware of Macduff. At his wife's urging, he has Macduff's family killed. But Macduff raises an army of refugees who have been persecuted by the tyrant Macbeth. Consumed by guilt, Lady Macbeth dies. Macbeth is finally slain by Macduff, who reveals that he was not of woman born, but from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Malcolm, Duncan's son, is proclaimed King of Scotland. Now, on to the interview with soprano Nadia Michael. I hope you enjoy it. I'm here with Nadia Michael, who has her official lyric opera debut coming up on October 1st as Lady Macbeth in our new production of Macbeth. But you've already performed some music from Macbeth in Chicago because you sang with us at the, the Lyric Opera Millennium Park concert. So how did it feel to be out there performing for so many people at that, that particular setting, 15,000 people or so? It was just amazing and beautiful and um, very, very exciting. And I think... As I know Chicago a bit before I was studying in Bloomington, so Chicago was like my turning point always when I flew somewhere in, in the United States. I did not know the Millennium Park yet. So I was really surprised that there is this beautiful park 
And um, the Pritzker Pavillon is just amazing, I think, the, the, the architecture. And then to have these people and to sing in, in the sky in the, in the night, this kind of music, which is, uh, I think, Macbeth is all in the night, happens all in the night. So it was really atmospheric and, and just right. It was now, really beautiful. I know your two kids are here with you in town. So what did they think of that whole experience of being in Chicago surrounded by thousands and thousands of people were they excited at yeah, the way you were they are excited but they are so used to travel and to be in the world and they have been in when i was performing in paris in front of 80,000 people so they have been there so they're quite used <laughs> so they take it quite easy <laughs> and they inform everybody this is my mother <laughs> now i know this isn't your first ex- engagement in chicago because you've been here with the chicago symphony yes, orchestra yeah, quite a bit what do you remember best about the city from those previous engagements? You know what? That was always, in, I think, in the, in the early, early spring or in the autumn, and it was really cold, really cold. So we could not really go out. And, and, and then the scheduling, the last time I remembered, was, was very tight. So we had four performances in a row. And uh, I came here, uh, and we were rehearsing, so I could not see a lot. I just went in, into the museum, and I did. My, I took my ways I knew before from from the, my Indiana so hopef- time. So hopefully, this time you'll have a chance to really go Much around more. and see everything. Much more. Now, at this point, really. you've been rehearsing Macbeth for almost two weeks, working with Barbara Gaines, who actually came out to San Francisco to see you do Zalame a year ago, and I know that was a very significant meeting. So. What did you learn about Barbara at the time, and and what did she? What do you think she learned about you as a performer? <laughs> what what question is this? What did I learn about her? I mean, I I was really looking forward as I haven't worked with a woman as a stage director yet, and I was looking forward because she is, a, as you know, she has the the Shakespeare Company here, so that was very exciting to meet somebody who is so deep into the words of Shakespeare. Um, and deep into the play we are going to perform as an opera. Um, we sat together already in San Francisco and um, we had a, a deep, deep, deep talk. And um, what really surprised me that uh, she is so open to all the ideas you put in and she is very... She take she brings out all the facets you can uh, you can offer as an artist and uh, as a performer and then of course we have with Tom Hampson who I admire and adore uh, but we are both very strong personalities and um, we have different ideas about the the play and the piece and I'm I'm just really stunned how she takes our uh, big personalities and melts them together and brings it alive. I mean, I really, really appreciate how she is handling that and and how she puts all the energy into a productive, how she changes in, at, into a productive energy for, for, the, for the masterpiece we're working at. Have you worked with many people as stage directors? Have you worked with many people who come from the world of the spoken theater rather than people who are yes. specializing in opera? Yes, I did. And I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm very happy about that experience. In fact, my very first opera I've done with a um, quite a famous actor who used to be an actor now. He's much more a director from the spoken theater in, in Germany. And his father is a famous, famous, famous theater actor um, in Germany. And um, that was very interesting because that was my first experience. And we were sitting down and we were talking through and it was Hendel. So we had a lot of red sets. 
and we went really deep into all the layers and straightened out all the questions and all the meanings and everything which which would come up. And I thought, because of the first experience, I thought, wow, this is a fantastic work and what a fantastic profession. And I thought this is just a normal way. And then I had to discover, of course, um, this is not always what how opera world is, is uh, working and how it functions. And very often, very, very often, you don't even have the time, to be very honest, to do that, to do though, especially in the uh, repertoire theater system as we have we have it in, in Germany, for instance. There you don't have just, you don't have the time to do though. So I'm very lucky. I've done a lot of work with really famous um, directors coming from the spoken theater. For, especially, uh, for instance, a beautiful and, and very strong experience I have had with Krzysztof Radikowski, um, a Polish, a Polish uh, stage director who is doing quite a bit of opera right now. And we've done uh, Cherubini's Medea together in, in Brussels, and it was a very, very successful production and a very deep and strong and layered work. Now, there are, of course, tons of people listening to this conversation who will, for whatever reason, not actually be able to come to the Opera House to see you on stage in the role. So I was wondering how specific you can be at this moment in talking about the kind of stage business that you are being asked for in the role. For example, I know that there's a lot that you do involving candles in your opening aria. Can you explain, for example, what goes on with that so they can envision you on the stage in the role? Well, um, it's very hard to to take just a specific moment out of the opera. I can give you an impression what... I would try to to expose which parts of of her personal personality and what how she is how the lady is uh, uh, positioned in in this in this uh, production. Um, first of all, I think which is which is good to know. She is. I think she is a young kind of a, a beautiful but not fulfilled woman and wife. And when she enters the stage, when she comes into the play, um, she is like lonely and, and caged in her room in her, her little. I'm sorry, I'm making noise. <laughs> I'm not supposed to. <laughs> in her uh, private room, and this is what you will see. She's like a like a tigress in in, in her room and not not really knowing what to do. And and the the set is that. Uh, her husband is Macbeth, of course, and he is a hero in the, the state. And um, he is away, and maybe her her relationship and her, their partnership is not fulfilled in what way ever you can imagine. You can you can take your use your fantasy, and then she gets this letter, and this letter comes in here. It comes in like like magic. So the witches will put the letter in, and um, and. Also that you can take however you want it. Also the business you, you mentioned with the candles. Uh, she reads the letter and there with the reading already you can feel first, first she is surprised what is written there. Then she realizes it, it comes from her husband. And then you feel already the, the bitterness and the anger and the kind of a, um, yeah coldness towards this man who is writing about... Uh, he might become a king. And 
And then she says those incredible, incredible words from Shakespeare, written by Shakespeare. I just adore. He says, she says, the street of power is full of crimes. And when you put your foot, your feet onto it, you can't, it is impossible to uh, um, re-pull them. Is that the right word? You to, to retake the yeah. If you are on that street, you have to cope with crime and you have to go for it. And in those words, when she sings it, it's already, she says, I know you, Macbeth, husband, dear, <laughs> beloved husband, you are not able to do that. But I will do it. I will do it because um, uh, there is nothing left anymore for her. And the, the business with the candles is like she is, as the witches put the letter in, in the room, she is like um, connecting to them and taking, uh, preparing, um, I don't know the word in English. It's, it's like a ceremony, yes. like a black ceremony yes. to, to make them enter into his soul. Wow. That's what happened. Now, when singers are involved in an opera that comes from a major work of literature, I'm always curious as to whether reading the original work helps them or not. So does it help you to read the Shakespeare play or does the Shakespeare play get in your way doing the Verdi? No, I'm reading it, of course. I mean, I'm, I read a lot of literature about things I'm doing. I'm reading biographies because I think all of that influences the Shakespeare as a human being. So he, it's his vision of, of what's, what's happening there. And then I admire a lot the, the classical literature as um, all those classical plays um, putting archetype, archetypes on stage. So... In fact, I believe that you can't really invent something new because it's all there in the antique plays, in the Shakespearean plays, in the, in the Goethe. You find all these. You can't invent anything new. It's all, all in there. And that makes it so interesting to me. And that is what is talking to us. And it never will stop talking to us because it is pointing what is inside us, just there, what can be inside there. And that's why... And here is maybe... Um, Something um, I would like to bring in, I think the the Macbeth opera is where where he melted it down. He has to he had to to get rid of many many things, which is important also in the Shakespeare play. But he had to melt it down to 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 bring an opera alive. He, he could not put every Shakespearean word into the libretto. It is impossible. So he melted it down and it's much more focused on the relationship of Lady and, and Macbeth, which I think is very, very interesting. And they and he did it in a in an incredible deep psychologic way. And um what what talks to me so much and what really moves me is um what we see is a relationship between a man and a woman and how uh, how terrible it can be if they trigger just the wrong button into each other and what terrible street it can go and how both of them, how people can suffer by it and, and what, what way it can lead them to be connected in such a bad way. Now, we haven't mentioned one important element. I, 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 I always think of... 
in, in one of those trades, I always think of this movie, uh, Who is Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh, yes. I just Perfect. see these kind of Absolutely. terrible hatreds and, and games. And, you know, it's not connected in, in, uh, uh, in love, in, in respect, in, yeah, in, in make them crowing. No, it's, it's connected in a really bad way. Um, we haven't talked about what you're actually wearing in this production. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you describe it's, – it's not really a specific period, is it? I no. Mean, no, no. It's no, no. It's not a period play. It's not a period statement. So what are you being given to wear? Um, dresses. <laughs> what question is that? Um, I don't really know what to answer. I think okay. they are very beautiful. I think the – uh, Virgil made an incredible work, and it's um, it's just very simple and not simple. It is uh, simple as there is not a huge amount of material, and uh, it is the dresses are simple but make a very strong strong impact. I think. Now, of course, every Mac- help the scenery actually. Yes, um, every Macbeth production depends a lot on the chemistry between the soprano and the baritone, and this is the first time you and Tom Hampson have collaborated. So how would you describe your work together? And Because you both have such incredible intelligence that you bring to Thank this you. piece. <laughs> so, and, and I can imagine that the discussions that you have must be very invigorating. Yeah, well... Um as we have, to, we both have done the part before. We came here, I think, with very strong ideas about it, what we would like to express and what we would like to bring in. And um, uh, it was, I think, we are not, we we are not at the same perspective. But at the end, I really have to admit, I was a bit scared, and it was because I admire him so much, and he's such a huge and great artist and important. Um, uh, in our opera world, so I was a bit afraid. But I have the feeling that um, because we are not seeing the the, the characters at the, uh, out from the same perspective, it gives a lot of tension and a lot of chemistry it creates. That's the right word. Electricity. Cre- between electricity yes. between us. And um, this is very interesting uh, to feel and to see because... Why do I say that? We, uh, when we started to work, we talked a lot and a lot and a lot. And it was like, oh, gosh, we, we never meet. What, what's happening? How can we do that? Respect, with full of respect and, and, and um, uh, not in a bad way. But then it was like, oh, my gosh, we give up. We, we can't come together. And then we, we, we decided not, don't, we, we don't talk anymore. We just do it. And it's... <laughs> and it bomb it yeah. came together. It worked. And, yeah, it worked. And it's a lot of chemistry and tension. And I think this is maybe also the plot, because Macbeth and Lady, they are not, they are not partner in, in spirit. They are not partner in thinking. So it's, it's quite good. Now, I was watching some YouTube clips of your Macbeth in Munich, and the production made me think, this is someone who is absolutely 300% fearless on the stage. Has that boldness that you have... Uh, in your acting, in your movement on the stage, has that always been there or was that something that developed over time? Well, I think I'm very German in that way in in terms of when I do something, I really like to go till the lowest, uh, uh, till the bottom. I really like to to understand everything and like to 
to touch every uh, emotion you can you can uh, bring out of this character. I'd really like to understand the character, and I'd like to serve um, the personality I have to bring on stage. So, um, yeah, I think this is just part of my my artistry to to not uh, hesitate um, for for each production I'm in. Yeah. To completely uh, commit yourself. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, so has there ever been a director who has asked you to do something on stage where you said, I'm sorry, but I'm not doing that? Or, I mean, you don't have to tell me where or who unless you want to. But um, especially in a lot of the productions that you've done in Europe, which are very extreme one way or the other, um, is there – does everything always make sense? I did not have this problem. Not at all. Because um, – when when something like that comes up, we would sit down and talk. And uh, as the directors feel, also the conductors, I mean, I'm singing parts who are so difficult and demanding. And if there are, and there, there are problems here or there or there, or they can show up, they can come up. And then you have to sit down and to, to, to resolve that to, together sure. in for the production you are, sure. you're, you're in. And, um, well, maybe sometimes... In a, in a different way than you expect. Maybe sometimes I'm just, um, when it, for my taste, not goes deep enough, then I get a bit tense and, and, and a bit disturbed, but not the other way. Now, we can't finish our conversation without talking about your one-woman show, which is called Orlando Misterioso. Oh. <laughs> and I think you did you just do it in Vienna very yes, recently at the yes, Teatro on the Wien? Um, so I know that it involves Schumann, Wagner, Wolf, Mahler, Strauss, and I believe your website describes it as a theatrical recital. What, what Describe what a theatrical recital is about. I would say after Vienna, after this experience, it is... It might be um, for uh, opera experienced person and for uh, um, a music lover. It might be something very experimental, yes. as uh, the 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 vision, the sound effects, the the video art. The um, it's also theater. It's speaking. It's spoken as well. Uh, is as important as the singing. So it's a theatrical. Performance. I can't really describe it better. So it's it's a, a performance. It's a would art. you call it performance art, as we would probably in this country? Is that what you would? What do you we, say? We would say performance art. Probably. Yes. 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 I think. Um, yeah, that it is. Did you create every element? I mean, what you're wearing and on the video, were you involved in every aspect of the presentation? Yeah. Yeah. But I have a wonderful, wonderful team, and I chose. Um, and I asked people, and not I chose, but I asked people who would work. For instance, the video artist is working with Sting together. I mean, there there are people involved. They really wanted to do it, and they they bring in other worlds and other um, uh, ideas uh, and and visions on the subject. And the subject is um, the I was I got inspired by Virginia Woolf's Orlando. Um, I don't know if you know it. It's Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, a masterpiece. It is. A masterpiece. And the the um, idea, I mean, we have it also with the, with the case Macropoulos, you know, this idea about a person. Also, Dorian Gray is something, the idea of a person who is not going to die, but transforming in, into something else. And um, experience life through many, many different perspectives. 
and it is maybe a bit surrealistic. It is it is ex experimental. I wrote even music. It's new music in, and I, it's it's um, um, for instance with Schumann. Um, you, you, oh, it's it's a, I choose Maria Stuart songs by Schumann. They are very untypical Schumann. They are very uh, dry, dry. And, and very psychological, very strong words yes. written by Maria Stuart. They say it's not it's not a hundred percent clear. Um, and there I put because I think Maria Stuart is a symbol of the um, Reformation. Yes, and is so important for the European culture. And then when you when you think it's for the world culture as it changed the religion and then um, the the uh, Catholicism and. Um, she got a symbol for, I mean, wars and, and political, um, um, what if, uh, disturbations, disturbations, kind of disturbances. Thing. Yeah, disturbances. So I put. Um, so I think she is very. She is a huge symbol for, like, women power. But also, she was. A, she must have been a beautiful woman. So she she had to um, battle herself as a with herself as a queen as. Uh, woman as a political symbol, uh, as a, a religion symbol. So I put Hildegard von Bingen chorals. I mean, Hildegard von Bingen is also another symbol in our world, and she was a she was extremely creative, and she wrote this incredible music. And I put those chorals behind. So it's like a duet between Maria Stuart and, and the Hildegard von Bingen chorals. And at the end, we have the Urbi et Orbi. From our Pope's Benedict, so it's a, it's a, well, it, it's not to describe. You have to see it. It's really <laughs> a, a experimental thing, and it's, it's kind of surrealistic. But each part of the show has a meaning, and you can decode it if you want to. You don't have to. You just can take it, and it will work in your subconscious. Well, we have to get you to your next interview. <laughs> so I want yes. to thank you very much, and I wish you toy, 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 and in Boca Lupa for all the performances of Macbeth. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org.